0: Regular attenders will know that for the last several weeks we've been working just a few verses at a time through all of Isaiah chapter 40. This morning we bring that series to a conclusion as we look at the final four verses, verses 28 through 31. Once again in your pew Bibles, that's found on page number 713. Otherwise the words will be on the screen behind me. Again in your pew Bibles on page 713, From the prophet isaiah verses 28 through 31 of chapter 40 he writes have you not known have you not heard the lord is the everlasting god the creator of the ends of the earth he does not faint or grow weary his understanding is unsearchable he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might He increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord thanks be to god i have to admit that i struggled for a little while on whether or not to use this opening illustration but it wasn't all that long ago when i came across a research project that was done by a harvard at a harvard study by a chris i'm sorry a kurt richer back in 1957 and in this experiment he observed Uh, Contrary to what he had thought that when a domesticated rat, a rat that was a pet owned by humans, was put in water, that it would survive longer than a wild rat would. And because he was confused by that, he further tested that and put some rats in the water. And after a few short minutes, as was typical when they were starting to lose strength and energy, he would rescue them from that water, set them to the side, dry them off, let them recover, and then place them back in the water. And what he found was those rats, having once been spared and rescued, We're now no longer just going to swim in that water for a few minutes, but we're able to swim for many, many hours, much longer than they previously had been able to do. And in light of that, his conclusions and analysis was that for these rats, as well as humans, that there is an incredible value in hope that knowledge that maybe there is some sort of rescue out there, something that will come and bring this torturous struggle to an end, that with that hope, you can do far more than what we ever thought possible. Now, to be abundantly clear... That's not a test that any scientist would do in our modern world. And I did have to research and verify that it wasn't just an urban legend, that it was an actual study that was done. And there are those that, despite the fact that it is real, question the validity of the claim. But I do think there's value in recognizing that value of hope. As we have been seeing for so long in Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah was writing to a tired, wearied, and exhausted people that had lost a lot of hope for their future. These Israelites had lived through and seen the unimaginable. Israel, the people of the Lord, had lost control of the promised land. They had witnessed their city, their capital, be totally destroyed, their homes burnt, the palace brought to rubble, even the temple of the Lord being destroyed and scattered into pieces. They had seen their political leaders captured and either killed or carried off. And then with them, many of them had been moved and relocated around the Babylonian Empire. What had happened to so many other nations before them happened to them as well. And on top of that, They were pretty sure that because of their sin against God, that God had either completely abandoned them and was done with them entirely, or that he had forgotten them. That he wasn't the great, powerful God they thought he was, and that he was not able to rescue them. That he was done with them, and so this is it. Again, the language of our text is that they were faint, weary, exhausted in a situation that felt helpless since the very beginning of having this idea of looking at isaiah 40 and in many ways the cause of wanting to do this study i've been thinking about and praying for you who when you look at your life you think those words are more than appropriate weary faint exhausted For some, it's just the general grind of life, the responsibility of earning a living for your family, of raising children, of maintaining all different kinds of schedule, and chasing around from event to event that feels just tiring. Our students that are asked to keep track of all of the homework that they have, to be on top of their studies, to never let their grades slip and to never let them slip while they're doing sports and other extracurricular activities. You're being asked to step up and and act like an adult, but you just don't know if you're ready for that kind of responsibility. And it's tiring to live under those expectations. Or you throw in just a a few difficulties in that, and it just adds that much to the burden. You give yourself to your labor and your work. You do all that you can. You do it well. You do it right. But then the market price for your goods drop, and now you don't know if you can continue to pay your employees, if you can afford the car that you purchased, or continue to pay for Christian education, and those burdens are wearing on you in a mighty way. thing we often pray for and think about in this circumstance are those that have health issues. And again, I think about and pray for those that deal with, with chronic pain that have realized that every day they're going to wake up with that ache in their body and it will not go away. They've talked with doctor after doctor. And yes, maybe there is a surgery that could be done, but it's very risky and you don't know if the cost is worth it. And so every day you wake up fighting, but it is a wearying battle because your body just doesn't want to do it. Or furthermore, those especially who in fighting that battle, just don't know how much longer they can go on, knowing that their days are limited. And so they they wonder, are my days coming to an end? And what do I do with these days? Why does God still have me around at my age with my lack of ability to do much? And that's wearying. And then I pray for and I think about those who are struggling in relationships. The marriage was a beautiful ceremony and at the time you joyfully professed your enduring love. The child was welcomed into your home with great celebration as you became a parent. But now the responsibilities and the promises that were made are not nearly as easy as you thought they would be. And you come home every day not knowing what to expect of yourself or the other person. Is there constant conflict? And you're worried not just for the relationship itself, but maybe for the very soul of your spouse or your child that's wandering, and you don't know what to do, and you are tired, wondering if the battle is even worth it. There are so many reasons of things that can happen to us. But then I also think about those in the throes of addiction. It's not what others are doing to them, but it's what they've done to themselves. They know that they're harming their own body. They know that they've hurt and damaged relationships in the past. And because of that, they've tried to make changes to their lives. But in trying, they've failed again and again and they wondered why try again if I am only gonna fail I'm only gonna disappoint myself and others there's no hope this is just how I'm going to live my life like the Israelites whether it be because of circumstances or losses or struggles, we know what it feels like to face times that are wearying, exhausting, and seemingly hopeless. When life beats you up, where can you draw strength? When life is just more than you can handle and you are exhausted, where do you go to find the energy to keep on enduring? When your life is self is threatened, where do you find hope? And that's what our text has been all about throughout this chapter. We started with that word of comfort that God says that the punishment has been paid, and that there is an end that will soon come. It's a promise that would bring them that comfort. And that end would come not just with the great promise that they would be able to return to Israel, their homeland, but that God would make a path back to him. That the relationship that they had broken, he would restore when he made every mountain low and every crooked place a plain. And while that promise seemed incredible, it was a promise that they could take to the bank because it was given to them by the very Word of God, that Word that never fails. And not only was it the Word of God, but it was the God that stands behind that promise, that God that is so great, so powerful, that not only did he create everything, but he maintains and hold all, upholds all of it at every single moment, that he is too wonderful to ever forget them or neglect them incomparable to anything that exists and certainly no other idol and so in exile when they were wondering if god was done with them or had forgotten them the comforting and hopeful answer from isaiah is a resounding no despite their sin and this exile there was a brighter future that still lay ahead the great word of hope Was that when they returned to, trusted in, and waited on the Lord, then their strength would be renewed, and therefore they could keep pushing on in hope. That's what our text focuses on this morning. I know we looked at verse 28 a little bit last week, but I had to reread it again this morning because it's important to remember that when we start, we start with the strength of God and not with ourselves because this is about him. And as we look to him, we recognize that in this broken and fallen world, all other things deteriorate. All age, all decomposes, everything else will fall apart But the God who we have been talking about over the last several weeks is a God that is above, outside of his creation. He alone is not subject to decay and growing faint. God never suffers a setback or finds burdens too much to face and carry. He is all-powerful and eternal. And because of that, he's willing to share his strength, With those who look to him see the major problem of the Israelites and often with us is that we try too hard on our own we try in our own strength and all of our energy is trying to put forth into controlling things that in the end we have to admit we can't control So often, we try to find answers to our struggles and things that ultimately we know cannot provide answers or relief, but only add to our burdens. We so often forget that God has guided us into good paths through the decrees of his laws and his commandments. And yet we neglect those good paths, thinking that we, in our simple presence, know better than he does We so often exhaust all other avenues, and then, finally, as a last resort, go to our God in prayer. But as the text says, the problem is that even youths shall fall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted Young children, we know, they'd have endless stores of energy. You watch how they just run around in circles forever. You're like, where does that come from? But at some point, no matter how young they are, no matter how fit and energized they are, no matter how in shape they are, there is a limit to human capacity. You will hit that wall. You will get to that point where you in your own strength can go no further. But, our text says, for they who wait for the Lord, they shall renew their strength. That line seems to be a key part of this passage this morning. So let's slow down and ask, well, what does it mean to wait for the Lord? To start, it doesn't mean that you just sit back, look at your clock, and say, okay, just watch the seconds tick by. And maybe God will all of a sudden show up and do something different while I sit and wait. No. To wait on the Lord is an eager expectation for the inevitable based on our faith in the promises of God. When I think about that idea, I couldn't help but think about Hebrews chapter 11. It's that great chapter of faith that starts in verse 1 by saying, Now faith... Is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. When we wait, we wait in eager expectation to the promises that God has made that they will be fulfilled and at times fulfilled through us. Which is why the rest of chapter 11 of Hebrews describes these great Old Testament characters that did incredible and amazing things by faith as they waited in the promises of God and trusted in those promises. And it talks about the things that God was able to do through them and with them as they they gave their faith to the Lord in those promises. And then... When it goes from chapter 11 into chapter 12 of Hebrews, having laid that foundation, it encourages us to persevere when it says in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all of those people mentioned in chapter 11, let us also... Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And that is our great hope. When you go back to Isaiah, you see not only the promises that he was making well before they ever took place, that God would bring them back to their homeland, restore them and rebuild them as a nation, and we can look back and see that those promises indeed were fulfilled. That God allowed them miraculously to be allowed to return. And the nation was rebuilt, the walls were reassembled, the temple remade. But what is more, that's not what Isaiah was mostly pointing forward to. Instead, what he was pointing forward to was the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The Son of God come to this earth and when jesus came and him taking on flesh he too as our text says or how the text from hebrews says he knew what it was to be faint he knew what it meant to be weary to become grieved and angered by the frustration and struggles of this world he at times was tired but in the end He persevered through all of that and more when he, as the text says, endured the cross. And when he died, he died for our sins. He put to death all of the things that burden us and can destroy us. He won the final victory. So that not only, like the Israelites, do we have the great promises of God to encourage us, the great word of God to guide us, the spirit of God to comfort and direct us, but we have the evidence that God has won the final victory. Meaning that because the tomb was empty on Easter Sunday, we know that death itself has been defeated and that the day will come when we are able to see God face to face. When we know that that victory has been won, that our eternal destiny is secure, that there is rescue out there that has already promised that we will be taken away and spared. Every struggle and every temptation is put into perspective. It's all just temporary. And will all only last for a short while, but God's promises will endure forever. That's why our text says that because of the promises of God, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That first image from that last verse is is the most powerful one of all of this. I think it puts it so well. When you think about birds in flight, you take, for example, the hummingbird. That though small, is able to keep itself in flight by the rapid, constant expression of its wings so fast it's almost not perceptible to our eyes. Totally different from how the eagle flies. Instead of all of its effort being put into its wings like the hummingbird, the eagle just puts its wings out. And allows the updrafts of the different airs to keep it in flight. And it just extends its wings and is carried along by the wind and by the different thermal dynamics. And that's what God says he would be for us. He will carry us along. Not that we can fly in our own strength, but that in his strength, He will guide us and direct us and lead us when we look to him. And therefore, we can expend all kinds of energy as we walk, as we run, as we serve our Lord and our God. Now, to be clear, that doesn't mean that, well, everything is just going to be okay then in life. In fact, the truth is, in many ways, the opposite of that. The texts that I read from Hebrews were written at a time in the church when they were facing incredible amounts of persecution where believing in the Lord and professing a faith in him often meant a loss of property, a loss of employment, a loss of status, and sometimes loss of your very freedom and life itself. The book of Revelation was written under similar circumstances and has a similar message. Trials and struggles in this life will come. You will continue to face all kinds of hardships. You will face temptations over and over again. Life is and will be hard in this fallen world. It will be wearying. It will be tiring. But the call and the promise is that you don't face those trials alone. You face them with the knowledge that God has won the victory. He has rescued you. And therefore, you can endure these temporary struggles. And so when life gets you down, continue to find your strength in the model and the example of Christ. When sickness comes your way, know that God has promised an eternal, immortal body for us. When you face temptations over and over again, know that Christ didn't just come to set us free from the consequences of our sins. He came to set us free from the control that sin has in our lives. You can start over again and win the victory. Maybe you failed in the past, but today is a day to start over in the strength of Christ. Yes, There is much that will sap our energy and exhaust us. But the great promise of God is that when we look to his strength, his word, and his promises, his accomplishments in Christ, then we can persevere, have our strength renewed, and God can do incredible things through those that serve him. Well, with that hope in mind, let us turn to our God in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we begin with a word of confession, that far too often in this world that is so tiring and wearying, we add to our burden because we try to control far more than we can. We try to do things in our own wisdom rather than yours, and we expend far too much energy worrying about things that we should be surrendering to you. And in this world where all of us at different times have faced burdens or will in the future, I pray that we would know of your strength available to us. That when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, that we will draw from him the encouragement and the motivation that we need to persevere. And as we persevere that we might serve you, learn from your word, be carried along and guided by your spirit so that your kingdom will be built as we await that great and glorious day when that victory that has been won and secured is finally and fully realized in your return. Until that day, O Lord, may we serve you not in our strength, but being carried along by the strength of your spirit. This we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.